Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chiropractic Why podcast. Today I am joined by Elliot Swepson, who is somebody I've sort of got to know a little bit over the last year. Um, Elliot works with a really, really good friend of mine, uh, Christian, Ca- Christian Caswell, down in one of their London clinics, um, works uh, in a upper cervical specific clinic. And um, we're going to have a little chat about journeying from being a student into a chiropractor and the lessons he's learned so Elliot first of all thank you very much for joining me thanks for having me on Johnny <laughs> it was a little bit newsreaderish there from me was it a bit that was a bit <laughs> um so for people listening give um give them a little bit of a background on yourself sort of where you graduated how you got into chiropractic that sort of stuff sure so for me chiropractic goes back to my teenage years I'm 24 coming up 25 now um so i've known about chiropractic for probably about nine years my first experience with a chiropractor was my mum had some back pain and went to saw a chiropractor for a few visits and got better from the back pain um i had a little bit of care myself because i was playing a lot of rugby at the time um and yeah saw some some good benefits from, from chiropractic care fast forward to being about 17 uh, doing my A-levels I was again getting struggling with like upper neck and back pain upper back pain that kind of stuff because I played as I say a lot of rugby Um, I was a front row prop for those who know about what that position is like it's really not good for your spine so um, went to a chiropractic practice initially just for a sports massage and then got chatting to the chiropractor there Joe Tilly who people may know of um and yeah just got chatting to him about chiropractic and through the course of about a 40 minute conversation i was sold on being a chiropractor from from then on um completed my a-levels got into aecc turned up at aecc in 2015 as a fresh-faced 18 year old not really knowing what i was getting myself into um and it kind of went from there so yeah that's that was the journey, journey to AECC. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good I fun. I never knew that you <laughs> saw Joe as a as a practice member. Yeah, so I saw Joe as a practice member for probably about a year before I went to um, AECC. And he was kind enough, kind enough to let me shadow as well. So um, on days when I had breaks during the day, I'd go and do a couple of hours uh, shadowing at Core Wellness and, yeah, seeing his style of practice. So um, he was doing like full spine t-bar kind of setup um variety of techniques bit of thompson um diversified as well so yeah just starting to understand what chiropractic's about um the concept of subluxation innate intelligence a little bit we've probably chatted about uh, just starting to kind of pique my interest in the philosophy so when i then got to aecc um he'd said to me, okay, this is where you go in the library to find the books that you actually want to read. So I started reading bits of Sinner, um, stuff from Fred Barge, um, thumbed through a few green books and didn't really understand what this guy BJ Palmer was talking about, but starting to get a bit more familiar with his his writings these days. Um, yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So you, I mean, you obviously sound like you're in a different situation to me. I sort of turned up to college um not really understanding too much about chiropractic um even though we had some sort of some friends of the family that were chiropractors that were pretty much you know, sort of neck pain and back pain doctors 
Um, and then sort of through my journey at college and luckily through something called WCCS, sort of having my eyes open to the sort of different camps and different thought processes yeah. within the profession. Um, and that kind of sparked my interest and sort of led me down the path that, that I am sort of still currently on. But you were pretty, I suppose the word switched on before you got there. Did that make it different for you, do you think, compared to some other of your friends that were starting the course at the same time as you? Yeah, I think so, because I was I was just interested in finding out more about the philosophy side of things. It's always really interested me. Um, I just yeah, I thought it was cool to go and find these these things called green books, which were not talked about and uh, and all that kind of stuff. But and people were going, what, why are you spending time looking at these kind of dusty books? Like, what's this philosophy thing you're going on about? We're here to be back pain doctors. I'm like, that's not my understanding of what we're here for. Like, so as going through AECC was was interesting because um, obviously we all know it's very musculoskeletal health um and they, they did a good job of that but it's from what i understand that's not chiropractic chiropractic's about working with the body the body's ability to heal itself all that kind of good stuff um so yeah it was it was quite different to how i anticipated chiropractic college being but that's not to say that i didn't enjoy my time there it was great and i got a good education for sure but um i think in terms of chiropractically speaking um from the, the like philosophy side of things it was obviously lacking there yeah but you obviously found that very small chiropractic section within the library yeah and went through i actually when we were setting this up i looked back through some of our messages mm. and one of them was about a, a barge book that i'd put a story up like is this still in the, the library and you're like yeah yeah i, I had it so what books that were in the library at the time were the ones that sort of you really spent some time delving into and understanding so i just kind of went for a bit of everything i think the first ones that i read was some fred barge so i read things i think i think it was life without fear may have been the first one that i read which is definitely a good one to start with yeah it was a good book um what else was there are You the Doctor Doctor was another one I think I read um, or certainly flicked through bits of it. Um, oh, what's his other one? I've got, an, I've got one of his books. I can't think of the name of it right now. But yeah, and then I got into reading the chiropractic textbook and actually bought a copy for myself as well. So obviously volume 14, Stevenson's textbook, um, started getting into that. I think I've read the freshman section probably four or five times now and sophomore section a couple of times ventured into some of the more like in-depth stuff a little bit definitely need to revisit that at some point um, but yeah I, I think chiropractic textbooks a great one but probably not one to read in like your, your fresher year maybe yeah but, I uh, I remember when I sort of had my interest peaked in understanding chiropractic philosophy and what chiropractic really was designed and developed for somebody pointing me in the direction of uh, the bigness of the fellow within mm. so I sort of had my inspiration and I was like I could do this and I remember getting this book and being like what the actual fuck like, there's a big big green book so if there's anybody listening definitely even though it is a phenomenal book definitely not a good one to start on so it seems as though at least you got pointed in the right direction 
yeah yeah i've i've not tackled that one just yet but it'll be on the horizon at some point and then for people that are listening um would you sort of give like a little bit of a summary of of stevenson's textbook that's a good question so stevenson's textbook starts initially with it's a lot of defining stuff so starts with the definition of chiropractic the definitions of things like I think it defines innate intelligence and stuff yeah. like that. 33 principles, obviously. So very clearly defining the the kind of thinking behind chiropractic, going from universal intelligence kind of down in a very methodical um, way. And I think that's probably one of the most important things to get your head around is if you if you get the 33 principles, everything else starts to come from there, I think, because that's very much like, a way of seeing the world like I kind of it's like a, a different perspective on life itself it's nothing to do with like adjusting people or treating back pain or whatever you're understanding chiropractic like it doesn't even get to chiropractic until like the end it's it's really a worldview it's so much bigger than than the yeah than like clinical practice you know yeah I think as a brilliant summary like Stevenson's textbook I mean, at the very start, you, you get to hear what BJ himself said about it. And mm-hmm. Stevenson penned that book as a as a sort of a summary of everything that had come before and kind of what you'd alluded to, some of those earlier green books. Really, while they have and contain some amazing bits, they're probably not the most organized bits of writing yeah. in the yeah. world. <laughs> and then you get to read Stevenson's and it seems, well, in my opinion, very well mapped out. Yeah. In taking you through those basics and understanding those basics so that you have really strong thought processes as your foundations so when you go on to apply them into anything else particularly the adjustment the check uh, all of these amazing things that we do within practice you're very clear and have a very um, steadfast sure mindset in what you're doing and and being able to explain that i suppose so do you do you feel that having done that, that sort of reading, that that gave you a sort of a leg up when you started to translate from being a student into being a chiropractor? Yeah, for sure. I think I think going through, by the time I got to clinic here, I kind of had two different mindsets. I had my ACC mindset where I'm here to do MSK, musculoskeletal health, whatever it is, however you want to define what we're taught at AECC. And then outside of that was like, okay, how am I actually going to transition to being a chiropractor? How am I going to apply not only the, what I understand of chiropractic philosophy in practice, but how am I also going to kind of hone my hands-on and physical skills, analytical skills into a clinical practice and applying the principles of, of the philosophy, you know? So it was... It was an interesting transition and it, it really was like split mindsets like clinic year I had, a, I had a great clinic year obviously it was during covid and it was a bit of a it wasn't what any of us had expected and certainly not what i'd kind of signed up for but it was so much fun at the same time because obviously we we're in clinic bubbles you're just you're seeing the same people a lot but you just end up with really good rapport with like a tight group of you. So um, from that sense, it was a good clinic year, but going in, it was very much like I'm here to do this particular job, but 
this isn't what I want to do in the future. And I'm, I guess the style of practice I'm in now is about as far from AECC's version of chiropractic as you can get under an upper cervical um, using Titron, which probably 99% of the people at AECC wouldn't even know what a Titron scan is, let alone what to do with one. Um, so yeah, it was, it was very much like a split mindsets, but I think I've, I've applied what I understand of, of chiropractic philosophy in the best way possible. And yeah, Christian's been fantastic in that transition as well. Um, he's, yeah, he's done a lot for me in that. So how did you, how, how did you end up finding out about Christian? How did you find that job? How did you figure out that was the one for you? So in terms of, I was aware of Christian anyway, because our time at AECC overlapped. He was just leaving as I arrived because for those of you who can do the maths, I was at AECC for six years because I failed year two um, and resat. Uh, yeah. but I think I have heard before that the, the best chiropractors are the ones that reset. So I'm going to hang on to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot to do with the results that you get at college means so much to do with how you are as a chiropractor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was kind of aware of Christian anyway. I knew of him in my uh, when I was in year three, I got to know his brother, Robin, who um, I was playing rugby with at the time, I was on the rugby team. And By the way, but, they've changed the name to, when, I, when we were at college, when I was at college, we, yeah. when I was at college, definitely not the cool branding that it has now. Oh yeah, the, we've got so, well, I say we are not on the team anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the branding's awesome, the chiropractic all cracks. So shout out to the rugby boys still at the ACC, if we can do that on it. <laughs> definitely, always shout out to the rugby boys. <laughs> always, always a shout out to the all cracks. Uh, we're actually going back for an alumni game in, uh, in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that as well. Nice. <laughs> yeah. See, this is, it's good to actually hear, there was always a lot of chat about getting that happening when I was there. Never got around to it. No, it's going to happen. And you should come down for it if you're if you're around because there's going to be a big social afterwards. So. <laughs> Always a good thing to do with Always. So so you meet Christian. Yeah. So I knew I knew Christian at college uh, a little bit. Um, whether he was aware of me, I don't know. I was uh, just a fresher at the time. Um, yeah, got to know Robin through year three, and actually ended up living with him in final year at seventeen Harvey Road. Shout out to Harvey Road. Um, and yeah, we had a great year there. So there was a lot of just like chiropractic chat because by this time Christian was setting up the practice here in London. So uh, he was kind of giving us bits of information about upper cervical. Um, yeah, got to know got to know Robin and, and yeah, did a lot of a lot of chat about upper cervical and, and philosophy and stuff. So that was a really good year. Um, the, oh yeah, I kind of missed the stage actually. So how that sort of came about was I actually went to observe um, someone else in practice um, who was a friend of mine who had lived with in my first couple of years, Greg Pierce. Um, he was practicing in Milton Keynes at the same practice where Christian was. So I'd just gone up to visit Greg and, and see how he was doing and, and see how his practice was, was getting on or how he was getting on in practice. And Christian was there as well. And he just started getting into the knee chest work at that point. So I did the morning observing Greg, who was doing a bit of Gonstead stuff, spent the afternoon observing Christian and was like, okay, this is, this is quite cool. So you can just deal with the top of the neck and you're actually analyzing the nervous system using the titron 
you're using objective measures, this is really cool. And then that's when he said, oh, if you want to know more, speak to Robin. And Robin gave me a whole load of information that Christian had given him. And yeah, that was the, the missing part of that story there. Um, nice. But yeah, that's kind of how it came about. And I got more and more interested in upper cervical, the more I read. So I, during my final year, I spent a lot of time looking at old um, KCUCS videos, all of uh, Rob Kessinger's stuff, uh, just, yeah, reading old manuals and yeah, all kinds of information. I was like, cool, I think I want to practice up cervical. Oh, Christian's pretty much the only person I can work for. I hope he's got a job for me in a few months. Fortunately enough, he uh, he had this, the space to accommodate me in the practice. And uh, yeah, it's kind of gone from strength to strength from there. He, he mentored me a lot through that last part of final year. So that was that was helpful getting through like all the final exams and the, the stress of like the end of clinic year, basically. Nice. So you've touched on a couple of things that maybe some people listening to the podcast might not have ever heard of before. So sure. good to sort of cover that. So for people that are listening, if they've never even heard of it, what do you mean when you're saying uh, upper cervical specific care? Um, and we can chat a little bit about knee chest specifically, if you want to explain that. Sure. And then after then, we'll sort of, we'll explain a bit more about the titrons. So if somebody has yeah. never heard of that. Yeah, because I keep mentioning titrin. <laughs> yeah, just realized no one's gonna know what I'm talking about. Um, so starting your first question there, what is upper cervical specific care? Um, clues kind of in the name. We're dealing purely with the upper cervicals, so we're looking at C1, C2, C3. Um, the reason three, you go that low. Oh, we don't adjust C3, but <laughs> C2 misaligns on C3. So the as a lot of people know, the upper cervical spine is the most movable joint in the whole spine. It's responsible for a lot of the rotation of the neck, particularly between C1 and C2. The trade-off for the mobility there is that it's more susceptible to misalignment. The way that we look at that, we've got, well, it was originally done on x-rays. We've actually got access to 3D imaging for that. So we use a CBCT scan to take a look at where the misalignment occurs. And it's either going to be between C1 and the occiput or it's going to be C2 on C3. So what we do, we yeah, we analyze that area. We use the Titron scanner as well, uh, which I'll explain in a second, to, um, to analyze nervous system function. When we make the adjustment, we're specifically working to realign that misalignment or unlock the misalignment portion of the subluxation. I forget we can say that word on here. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and then what we see over time is that people's symptoms start to get better. They start to resolve from all kinds of issues. We see a lot of people with um, various types of headaches, particularly migraines. We see a lot of people with vestibular issues. So many as disease, for those who have heard of that, we see maybe like 40% of our practice is many as patients and vestibular migraines. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff, really interesting cases. I've had a few post-concussion syndrome cases recently. That stuff's really cool. Um, yeah, anyway. So, so talking about the, like a titron. Yeah. So it's- How would you explain that to just somebody who'd never heard of it before? So the way titrons came about was from the neurocolometer. So the, the nervoscope that the Gonstead guys still use, that was like the original version. 
BJ Palmer then turned it into the neurokilometer. So it actually gives a graphical representation of paraspinal temperature. So we're measuring temperature either side of the neck and it gives us a graph and shows a particular pattern. Now what happens when somebody's subluxated and there's like neuro neurological interference there from the misalignment, uh, it, the graph will look the same each time and we call that pattern or pathological pattern. So when you're scanning people, you'll find that we'll, we'll take multiple scans over time and that pattern won't change. But as we know, the body's a, the human body's a self-healing, self-regulating system that relies on adaptation. So if you're not seeing change between each of the scans, that means there's less adaptation occurring. It's not adapting as we'd expect it to. So that's why we use that as an outcome measure. We get a graphical rep representation of the temperature and that gives us an insight into how the nervous systems are operating. Because as we know, temperature is controlled from the brainstem. Brainstem sits very, very closely to the upper cervicals. And then you'd be working with pre and post. Yeah. yeah, that's how we pre and post check people. So when people come into the office, we have them rest so that we're creating consistent conditions each time. We take a scan of them, we we'll analyze that scan. I normally have people rest a second time. So I've got two scans from that day so we can see how they're adapting. Um, and that's how we know whether we adjust them or not. So people come to our practice, but they don't get adjusted every single visit. So we, we want to be certain that there's actual neurological interference occurring so that we can then appropriately make that adjustment. And we're basing how we make the adjustment off of the misalignment that we found on the CT scan. So it's the two bits of information are super important. You need to know where the misalignments occurred in that portion of the subluxation and then when the interference is, is present. So you've, you're getting the mechanical and the neurological bits of information. And that's how we know when to adjust people, when and where and how. And how have you found communicating the sort of the pattern analysis, which I find completely fascinating. And obviously yeah. lots of different techniques have different pre and posts, which would make, for me, just makes common sense for any technique to have, because yeah, there's a moment that you could adjust. There's also going to be the moment that you don't need to adjust. I think that's a really important distinction as well as knowing when not to adjust. The challenge in the communication is, is yeah, knowing how to, explain that to people uh, that they don't need to be adjusted that day so i i kind of use a lot of the time i use like a dentist analogy so i say you don't want to go to the dentist every time and expect to get a filling same thing in our office you want to come into our office and expect to not be adjusted you want to be told that your nervous system's healthy your body is functioning correctly adapting correctly and that gives it its best opportunity to heal um so that that's been really challenging and i mean i'm only was seven eight months into practice so i'm still learning on every single day um, new ways to explain it to people and you'll find that some people understand it in one way other people understand it explaining it a different way so i'm still really playing around with that communication i think for me it's something i'm still trying to work on and i probably will be working on for years still like years into Your the whole future life. Your whole <laughs> life. <laughs> um yeah, the, the communication side's definitely a challenge, but that's kind of part of the fun of upper cervical as well, is you get to talk to people about chiropractic in the way that it was always kind of intended. Because obviously that's how BJ practiced for 
years and years was upper cervical. Um, so yeah, you, it's, it's fun trying to find new ways to explain things, new ways to like give analogies for certain things. Um, and people like it. I like the patients where they come in and they, they're expecting to not be adjusted and they're some people are almost concerned when they need to be adjusted. They're like, well, how has this happened? I haven't done anything. And I'm like, well, it's just where the graph says you need to be adjusted today. It's, it's, you're so luxated. This is, this is what it tells us we need to do that. I think a lot of people, and definitely me included, the communication aspect of, of chiropractic, particularly, I mean, well, throughout your career, but particularly in that initial jump from, from practice sorry from school to practice is a real big one because um one you realize how vitally important it is but also there is i certainly had some moments where i didn't feel at times that i really knew it well enough myself to be able to explain it simplistically enough or i found myself speaking so much in things i felt comfortable in which really wasn't really that important to, to the practice member and then i would observe somebody else who had been experienced for a lot longer i'm like how did they just explain that in one sentence like <laughs> yeah and they're like the the practice members understanding it more than what takes yeah. me five minutes yeah i whenever i think of communication i think of reggie gold like the man was a, a master communicator it was just genius to watch him work and you're like why couldn't i think of that and uh i think that's been my one of my biggest challenges particularly over the last few months is is yeah it's just the communication and it or every time i love when patients ask me questions because it then challenges me to go okay how am i going to explain this and how do i explain this in a real world way without going so there's this thing called innate intelligence yeah. which the patient doesn't care about like they don't care i mean there might be some people interested but then i don't need to run through the 33 principles with them and explain that that's why they've had a couple of headaches this week when and they're, they're still going through like healing processes you've got to find other ways to explain that without using the kind of technical language that we all enjoy using because it makes us sound smart but actually if you can't simplify your point then you're not that smart yet so so true so so true and i'm definitely parrot but there is sort of a a statement if you know it well enough you can explain it simplistically enough yeah there is something like that now so one of the things that um we're sort of aiming to do over the next couple of weeks with these podcasts is chat about that jump between school and and practice and one of the things that i've definitely seen over the years that students who have probably found that huge huge chasm easier to cross is through things like uh particularly reading so making sure chiropractic goes in because if chiropractic doesn't go in it certainly can't come out but on top of that some of the stuff that you touched on so observing and mentoring are those things that you now you're in practice you've sort of seen the benefit of the work that you did before yeah i think so so during my time at acc i observed probably five five or six different practices and I kind of wish I'd done more, but I, I guess by the time, and that was like through my first three, four years at, at uni, obviously people, some people managed to do the course in four years. I was there a little longer, but uh, I think a lot of people leave observing until like their final year. 
I'd say get it in from day one. Uh, if you don't know any chiropractors yet, get to know someone who does and go along with them. Because if I think I'm, I'm more than happy to have like anyone themselves at any time. I mean, we've got a small office, so it's difficult to have more than one at a time. But I think that's a big thing is chiropractors being generous with their time and and like patient enough to have horrible students hanging around their clinic. Uh, I think that's massively appreciated. So I'd say literally from day one, go and observe some clinics, um, try and get like a, a couple in, at least a couple each year, more if you can. And not just, uh, and it's not just from a job hunting point of view of like, oh, I could see myself working here. It's more from a sense of actually the opposite and think, oh, actually, I'm not sure about this. I don't think I want to do this. And you can start kind of ticking things off so that when you get to the final year and you go, oh, I've got to look for a job now, you already, you've kind of created a list of like, this is how I think I want to practice. Who can offer me the majority of things on this list? Obviously you're going to compromise in some areas, but um, yeah, you, you kind of know what you're looking for then. I think that that would be, a bit of advice i give to people and also i have to well not admit because it's it's fine but over the last two years i've certainly taken some time to go and observe people now and um a lot of like my main takeaways will be on that communication sort yeah. of aspect because there's certainly different practice energies or different energies from people that um, allow them to communicate in different ways and I'm still yet to really spend any time observing somebody and not getting something really valuable out of it. Yeah. So I would even recommend people in practice to, to use the time and go and observe someone that you admire or, or somebody who maybe does something a little bit different just to, to pick up some extra bits. And there's always, well, always time well spent, even if at times it, it might not feel like that. Yeah, there's, there's always going to be something you pick up from someone. I think... Yeah, I, I completely agree with that point. I'd love to go and observe more people now, but in terms of like upper cervical, pretty limited as to I can go and observe. But I think, yeah, I could still get out something of going and observing somebody who doesn't do the same technique as me and doesn't practice in the same way. Um, you can definitely get good things from any experience. And then the other thing that sort of came up, and obviously Christian is somebody who, Christian, who you work for, has a lot of passion for chiropractic and and sort of him and I often chat about um, one can only stand on the shoulders of greats if you actually know what they were chatting about and, and read what they wrote. But yeah. also, if we're going to move this profession forward about making sure that, that we can instill the things that we learn in the sort of next generation of chiropractors in hopefully a short period of time. So I know him as a person that the mentoring aspect for him is is something that he's very passionate about. How how do you feel that that has helped you and how would you sort of speak about that to students at the moment, how they should or should not, it's up to you, look for somebody who's willing to, to put the time in and mentor them in not just the formal way as in sitting down, but an informal way of those conversations on particularly difficult cases or, yeah. or ideas that you're not really getting in? Yeah so yeah there's probably a few things that i think mentorship in a job is pretty important 
And I think for me, particularly in the style of practice I'm doing, and I can only really speak from that, it's been super valuable just because of the nature of the patients that we see. We've had some really complex cases and not saying that other people don't, um, obviously, but yeah, we've had some really weird cases and because of the style of practice, it's been going back to that communication thing again. So the mentorship has been really, really important for that. And it also gives us a chance to bounce ideas off each other as well, because, because there's not a lot of upper cervical guys. It's, it's a case of like kind of thinking around problems together. But if I think, yeah, mentorship is really important in terms of just have someone who will, will give you those informal conversations. I don't think it's so much sitting down and doing performance reviews and things like that, but it's the, Kind of like what's that message mid shift to say oh mate can you just check this for me or just to just to know that he's kind of at the end of the phone if something if i need something i can like check in for him and likewise he kind of does it back to me as well if he's kind of mid shifting say oh actually mate, can you check a ct scan for me or um let me know what you think of this so it's it's the the informal conversations are actually almost more valuable than the formal ones does that kind of make sense no definitely and i think it's one of the things that i've recently been chatting to a couple of students about in finding a mentorship like i definitely think that it's super important that you've had the conversation before you get to a job of you know is this going to be a case of we sit down every week for x amount of time and i think that is important to have structured because otherwise in in busy practices you know, the promise of mentorship can disappear pretty quickly when reality kicks in of being busy. Yeah. But also to have that, um, that person that you feel comfortable chatting to in like Houston, the informal way or just um, little things that have come up or, or maybe you spend a bit more time observing them and learning how they communicate and being able to, to yeah. effectively copy that and use that style yourself. Like it's yeah. Saying that when, when I started my job, I observed Christian for two months before I ever saw a patient. So we kind of phased me into the practice in the sense of the first month was basically just pure observation. And obviously there's a lot of analysis involved in what we're doing before we adjust people. So he'd be talking me through what we're seeing on the scans, looking at CT scans together, all of that kind of stuff. And then it kind of built up to okay, today you're going to do a report of findings for me, at which point you kind of shit yourself and go, oh, okay, I've now got to apply everything that we've been chatting about and it's the pressure's on me now. Um, and then the last couple of weeks, I started doing the new patient examinations for him um, and the report of findings, and then he'd managed the case from there and then eventually got to a point where we went, right, this is, this is day one now, here's your new patients, go from there. Um, but it wasn't like he just went hands off with it. I think for the first two months of me seeing patients at the end of every shift, he'd call me and go, right, how was that? Any problems, anything you need to chat about? Is there anything that you think we need to change about the way that we're practicing? So that was really helpful. And we're now at the point where we do a weekly check-in on a Friday. So as soon as I finish on a Friday, we hop on a Zoom call and we chat through cases for that week. Um, any challenges that we've both had that week, anything that we've learned, look at all the scans together. So we've, we know people's listings for upcoming report findings and that sort of thing. Um, so how did, you, how did you find that sort of observation period? Because I know um, 
a lot of people that uh, go to jobs where that's going to be part of it, they can often feel like, oh my gosh, I've, I've graduated as a car. I'm a chiropractor now. I should be being a chiropractor. Not what, how did you mentally find that? That was, it was weird. I think it actually helped with the transition from student to chiropractor because although you do have that, that sense of like, oh, I'm a chiropractor now. I can put DC at the end of my name. It doesn't mean you know what you're doing yet. I'm not saying I do now because as I've said, I'm still learning every single time I'm in the clinic and out of the clinic to be fair. Um, but I think the, the way that I phased into the practice was super helpful because there was no like, oh, you're starting on Monday and you're seeing 18 new patients and six report findings, good luck. Like it was a, a case of just slowly building, building momentum to now, and we built my, uh, my diary from scratch as well. So I didn't have a patient base to take over. It's, it's all built up from September to now. So now where I'm the point where I'm sort of like 65, 70% full, we're doing, we're doing well. Um, so it was, it was just, everything felt like a natural progression is what I'm trying to say. It was going from, yes, I've been seeing my own patients in clinic being observed by tutors, but now I'm switching to a new style of practice. So I need to get the flow of the clinic, understand how just day-to-day -day operations are working as well. Um, There's it, a lot to learn. There is a lot to learn because you, you get, I think that's another thing with ACC, you get a really good understanding of kind of what that style of clinical practice looks like, but you don't understand what it's like being a part of the practice because everything, all of that's done for you by the tutors and the reception staff. Whereas you go into real practice and you, you're kind of managing things differently. Again, for us, it's, it's slightly different. We're quite a small office at the moment still. So there's, it's not like we've got a huge reception team to take care of stuff for us. There is stuff that we have to do ourselves. And it's all that kind of stuff that was really helpful learning. Like I did a few shifts where I did the reception for Christians. So I learned how to take payments, do, do the kind of stuff that just keeps the business taking over as well. So as well as chiropractically, I learned a lot about just what it's like to just do business and, and do real life stuff. That's awesome. I, I, first of all, thank you for being so open and honest about your experience because um, unfortunately, um, some not everyone has a great experience that you've had. Um, and also, uh, you know, I have no doubt that the people that put in more work um, observing and understanding what they want to do and understanding chiropractic before they graduate have a better experience. So that's obviously hats off to you. But if you were to sort of give a couple of pointers to people and obviously knowing what you know now in this short period, looking back and reflecting on it, what would your advice be for people that are either coming up to what well, that are in college now and looking to make that step and make that step as, as easy as possible, becoming a chiropractor and hopefully becoming a successful chiropractor? So do you mean in, in terms of like looking for a job or just any advice? In terms of... I don't feel like I can comment on like looking for a job. A job then, then. Yeah, in, in terms of finding a job, I don't feel I can comment on too easily because it just kind of naturally happened because I wanted to do something quite niche. Yeah. So I don't know if I can comment too well on that, but I guess if I was going to, it would be similar to the advice on observing, like just talk to loads of different people, go just get to know 
get to know people um, and go and, go and chat to them and, and understand how they're practicing and what they can offer you. Not And so it's not just about selling yourself what you can bring to the practice, but what can they do to make you a better chiropractor. Um, other bits of advice, enjoy the last few months of uni while you're there, because it is good fun. <laughs> Even if clinic is stressful, uh, which it is, particularly once you get Osler out of the way, like just have a good time and enjoy enjoy Bournemouth, particularly while it's nice in the summer. Um, if you're at ACC, obviously I can't really comment on Weok, but it's your loss if you went to Weok. <laughs> um, other bits of advice. I mean, that's brilliant as it is, because yeah. um, often it's easy for somebody like myself, you've been out a while now to, to really push and encourage people to observe and saying it's beneficial. Um, but I think it's definitely a lot more powerful hearing that from someone who's done that. And then from my perspective, I can see the difference in, in, in new graduates that have spent some time in reading, observing, understanding chiropractic more than the other people. So that will be really, really amazing for anybody listening. So um, if anybody wants to get into touch with you about anything we've chatted about, what would be the best way for them to do that? You can get hold of me through Instagram. So my chiropractic one, which I'm not using enough, is a really horrible handle. But it's Upper Cervical Chiropractor London or Upper Cervical Cairo London. We'll it's got underscores, underscores through... Uh, between each of the words um yeah that's probably the easiest way just direct message through there i'm always happy to have people come and observe uh, i've already had a couple of students come and observe me um which has been really cool um from the the little bit of knowledge that i can pass on having <laughs> been in practice less than a year but it, it's good fun it's always nice to see people uh yeah awesome. instagram's yeah definitely the easiest way Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, for those guys listening, uh, if you don't already, make sure you do follow us as well on uh, Instagram and Facebook. We are at the Chiropractic Y. Uh, if you're in your, if you're still at any of the chiropractic colleges, we'd love to hear from you. So when you're listening, make sure you take a little screenshot, tag us, let us know which college you're at and listening and make sure you, you tell your chiro friends about this because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be trying to make sure that we get out some real specific content for, for new grads and, and students specifically to help, like we said, try and make that transition as easy as possible. But uh, thank you very much yet again. You've been an absolute rock star. Thanks a lot. Thanks. It's been fun. Thanks, Johnny. And for those guys listening at home, keep on going on.